Welcome to Forever White Belt. I'm Adolfo Ferranda. In this episode, I have the honor to speak with Alec Balding. Alec is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt under Romero Cavalcanti, being one of the most accomplished grapplers produced by the legendary Alliance Jiu-Jitsu co-founder on American soil. Balding earned his reputation of being one of the top grapplers of his generation in the lower belts of the sport, where he conquered a world title and two Pan Am championships. Alec is a familiar face to many people searching for free jiu-jitsu techniques on YouTube and Instagram, covering everything from wrestling to day one basics to techniques that are custom designed for shorter athletes. But honestly, regardless of your size, his online content is fantastic and well-produced. Kudos to him for wearing a microphone on his headband when filming, why every teacher offering BJJ free content online, YouTube, or Instagram, why they don't do this is completely beyond me. In this episode, I speak with Alec about how he developed into the man he is today, his vast travels, his home of Georgia, and the BJJ scene there, his thoughts on various belt colors, diet, and how to mitigate injury, and more. Also, make sure to check him out at alecbalding.com and shortguyguard.com, as well as his instructionals on BJJ Fanatics. And with that, I give you Alec Balding. Welcome to Forever White Belt. I am Adolfo Ferrando with a very special guest today, and you are... Hey guys, I'm Alec Balding. Alec, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So Alec, can you give us a little bit of your, you know, your background? Let's say the origin story of Alec for the people out there that don't know who you are, which is insane if you're listening to our show. You'd be surprised. I guess if I had like 30 seconds to introduce myself, my name's Alec. I'm a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. I've been competing for 15, 16 years in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. You know, my focus has always been like sharing my technique and uh, alongside competing, sharing like techniques online. That's how I got to meet you, Adolfo, and a lot of other great people out there and uh, just promoting the sport. So, Alec, are you still in uh, Georgia? Is that where you're training and everything? Yeah, currently in Atlanta, Georgia, if I wants to visit me. So tell me about your experience in Georgia and your, the training and, and what is the, the scene like there in terms of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? It's changed. So I, I've been out of Georgia, been out of Atlanta for a few years, actually. It's kind of crazy. Atlanta had one of the best academies. Uh, if you went back maybe 10 years ago, you know, we, Atlanta, the Team Alliance had one of the best academies uh, in the world, at least in America at the time. And uh, that's where I was coming up. And uh, now currently it's, it's changed a lot. There's more academies. I'm sure that's for most places. There's more people training jiu-jitsu. So um, we have schools that are up and coming. One is like Tim Planet Atlanta. So, you know, if you mm-hmm. like the Tim Planet style, like locks and rubber guard. And then uh, also Bruno Frazato, really great competitor, just moved and started his own academy here. The scene is growing. It reminds me a lot of Texas before it blew up, you know, how people were kind of moving down there and very slowly. But now it's like you've seen bigger names. So that's what it feels like here, but like maybe five or six years ago in Texas. I say this often on the show to you guys and all the people that are the super high level people that I interview on the show. You guys are really prolific in terms of the amount of output and and work that you guys release to the world. And then when I did my research on you, I was just blown away by how much content you've produced and free content. And it's really high production content. I mean, you have over 900 really good Instagram posts. They're actually very informative. And your YouTube list, I I mean, I couldn't even scroll long enough to get through all the videos. (laughs) When did you start that whole thing? And how is that process grown for you? Because it's it's really slick, you know, I mean, from the beginnings to sort of where you're at now and, and where do you want to go? I think for me, a large part, well, I've had some really good friends. I have friends that, uh, you know, help me as far as like t- kind of putting me in the right direction. So 
I remember I had a friend that was big on Instagram a few years ago, and he was telling me to post and post and post. And at the time, I, I just I just wanted my my results and competition to represent me. But things changed, and and uh, I had to evolve. And so for me, a lot of the videos and stuff has just been me documenting myself. And so you can you can go back if you scroll long enough on YouTube, you'll see me in my car. <laughs> doing videos back in the day. I think that's kind of motivating me to, just like Jiu-Jitsu, get a little bit better. My production values got a little bit better. Audio's got a little bit better. Lighting's getting a little bit better. So I just take the same process I have in Jiu-Jitsu and apply it to other things in my life. It's kind of cool. I, I don't always watch the videos, but like I can go back three or four years ago and see where I was back then. And so it's a cool little, little reminder for myself. And of course, I love putting out the content for you guys too. You released a new instructional, short guy instructional. Can you elaborate on that and what someone who purchases that can expect? There was a video with Keenan a few years ago, and he was mentioning, he just shouted me out for having a good spider guard. So wow. um, I kind of ran with it. I noticed there was nothing else out there really for short grapplers. So I was like, hey, I'll go out there and do it. So it's been a few years. I was so happy to get that instructional out because I kept telling people I would do it, I would do it, I would do it. So. <laughs> I was really happy to just have something tangible and be able to promote yeah. that. You know, I've, I've been able to meet a lot of people through just those videos in particular for shorter people that have been able to help. That's the whole purpose behind it. It was like, man, I know there's a lot of short grapplers out there that are kind of afraid to play guard, you know, mm -hmm. because it doesn't come easy if you're not flexible and have long legs. It can be kind of scary playing it like an open guard game. So at the end of the day, man, just trying to help people and put back some good energy out there. You know, what's really interesting is, like you said, when I hear collar sleeve or spider guard, I do associate that. The instructors often preface that with like, hey, if you got long limbs, this is a great game for you and, and that kind of thing. So I find it really fascinating that you specialize in, in a lot of this stuff and you, and you executed really, really well. To the opposite side of that, are there any sort of moves or guards or attacks or anything that are typically associated with a someone with shorter limbs or something like that that just isn't your jam as an instructor i try to experiment with a lot of different guards but say like you're shorter mm -hmm. i think any position where you're staying tight it's going to benefit you so like a butterfly guard game works really well half guard works really well you know knee shield works really well uh, so pretty much any position where you're staying tight and there's no space for the person on top to pass you know you just got to adapt everybody's got to adapt jiu-jitsu mm -hmm. to their own style and personality and as instructors we try to make that digestible especially online we've got three minutes to catch your attention Sometimes <laughs> yeah. to like make you want to watch this, this video. I think with a short guy guard, I just kind of dispel that there's a short guard. There's a game just for short people. I think mm, good you, point. Know, you just got to find what works for you at the end of the day. A lot of times it just takes someone, it just takes one person doing it. And then you can go, oh man, I guess I can do it. That short guy can do it. <laughs> I can do it too. So. Can you talk to us about a, a moment like you wanted to quit and what preempted that in okay. your journey? And that's happened a lot. I think especially recently, just with all this stuff going on and just, just the dive, like the division between people, especially online and mm. you know, even people outside of jiu-jitsu. It's been pretty tough to watch and experience. I think especially now for everybody, there's been time, like, it doesn't matter how good you are now. Like, if your state said no training, okay, I guess I can't train. Or your academy closed. I think everybody goes through those periods where they're like, man, do I want to do this? Do I want to keep doing this? Especially at the high, higher levels, doing this full time is not easy. I don't even recommend it for most people. There's better ways to live your life, guys. Don't follow <laughs> my example. I, I really feel like if jiu-jitsu is in your heart, like, man, if you could, like, take a year off, 10 years off. 
And then like mm-hmm. you find yourself coming back. I think if it's really in your heart, you want to do it. It's okay to take time off. It'll always be there. Or you feel like it's not in your heart, go do something else. Find something else that you really love to do because the time is precious. Like I, I wouldn't want people to waste their time training if they wanted to do something else. Like I, I have done that where I've told people, hey man, go follow that passion instead. So you brought up the elephant in the room, COVID. So how did you, <laughs> let's talk about, you know, I always preface it that we're not epidemiologists and, and the whole thing and mm-hmm. we don't want to politicize this, but how did you deal with it from like day one of COVID to like where we're at? now i was still kind of working still i remember when quarantine first kind of occurred because i was teaching down in orlando so first off we maybe within a week you know we kind of closed the the school down to students uh but then we took that time to do like renovations so we, we kind of stayed busy during that period and then um i ended up going back to atlanta so i had a lot of free time on my hands so for me i just used that time to like put more time and energy into my videos and so that that kind of gave me time to just kind of decompress a little bit you know i wasn't running around teaching 100 different classes i could sit down and actually edit i just try to be productive you know i try to keep putting out content i knew that people would uh be stuck at home and missing jujitsu so that's kind of how what i've been doing now just staying consistent in georgia now they've been opening up it's been open for like a few months so i've been slowly uh within small groups training but um just still trying to be careful not being reckless too reckless hopefully can you tell us about a time when you like uh, witnessed something special or had a moment of growth or perhaps saw one of your students uh, have a moment of growth or, or moments and share them with us? Um, I've taught kids for so many years. I have like countless examples of kids like doing stuff, being able to like do a, a forward roll and backwards roll and, you know, stuff like that. So I think as, you know, instructors, we're always watching. Uh, good instructors, you know, they're always watching the students, even if you don't always know. So. I always, whenever I see something cool, I, I always go, hey, man, that was awesome. Like, try to just bring it to their attention, something that they did really well. I think for me personally, it, like, time that really stood out to me as special was, like, I remember I was competing in, uh, in the New York Open. This is, like, 2009, so, you know, old school. And uh, I think I lost Worlds, got second Pro Belt at Worlds, so I was a little down on myself, you know. Oh, my God, I, I got second place at the World Championship. <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, so, uh, Ali Worlds was, like, this is, like, way after Worlds, so maybe towards the winter or fall 2009 and competing and man it was really weird like it felt like everything kind of slowed down you know like in the matrix when there's like the bullet time neo's like dodging stuff finally and you see uh (laughs) morpheus is like happy he's like finally i kind of had one of those moments i was competing and then like it was really weird everything was working like everything i was trying was working i'm just like what's going on i see the you know the the matrix scene where he sees everything like the code and stuff so i kind of experienced that and I think that was when jiu-jitsu really clicked for me. Like, I wasn't trying overly hard to make something work. I wasn't, like, straining myself. I was really calm, really relaxed, and just kind of enjoying the moment. So that time really stood out to me. It was, like, one of those special moments where, like, you realize it's happening. I think that's an important lesson for people. Like, you can't control when that happens. Like, you just got to enjoy it, you know? You know mm-hmm. I'm sure you've experienced that, too, where you felt really great in training. And, like, you don't know what happened, but you try to replicate that later on. But you just got to enjoy the experience, you know? It was your turn. It was your time. 
What belt level was this at, or how many years into your training? Uh, I was still purple belt, so like I did worlds. I did worlds three times as a purple belt. So wow. <laughs> yeah, it was rough. So I think I've been training for about four or five years. So I think that's when you see like around three or four years. If you're training pretty consistently, you're gonna see like a lot of skill gain gains mm-hmm. in your skill set and so that's what that's when you see like purple belts that are like really exciting you know purple belts probably when you see people like the skills really coming together with the technique blue mm-hmm. belt's kind of still rough you're like man that blue belt's pretty rough but then purple <laughs> belt you start to see like the people developing that's true for now you know whenever mm-hmm. especially like the world championships in the gi like people will go see the purple belts because man they're exciting they're kind of not inhibited by like the pressure of winning or losing they just go out there and they're scrapping and they're doing exciting things how did you even fall into jujitsu? I started Taekwondo first and yeah. uh, I found an old certificate. I did like an AAU tournament a long time ago. So I was excited to have that. A friend of mine in high school got me into martial arts. I spent a, a few years like I did like peewee football, but then like mm-hmm. I took time off just to focus on school for a few years. So that was kind of like my foray back into like sports because uh, mm-hmm. I hated football. I, I did not like team sports at all. So mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. uh, jujitsu for me particularly was like, okay, you know, I go out there and I get the, I, I get the results. That's how I got started. And I was actually doing both for a good bit. I was doing Taekwondo maybe once or twice a week and then jujitsu once or twice a week. And then I remember I was showing like a rear naked choke to somebody and at the Taekwondo school, and then, like, I don't know, I could tell they didn't really like it, you know, uh, it, mm-hmm. because it was different martial art. It's also, mm-hmm. this is like almost 20 years ago, guys. Yeah, that was People a no-no back then. They saw mm-hmm. they saw cross-training as a little bit different, maybe as more disrespectful for a student to go train with someone else. So I, I kind of realized that I just didn't want to do Taekwondo as much, especially for me. Like, I, I didn't, I wasn't super flexible. So, like, my style was not good for Taekwondo. <laughs> <laughs> like if you can't do high kicks like what's the point of doing taekwondo mm-hmm. like i really enjoyed jiu-jitsu like the first class i remember i learned the rear naked choke i remember it just like it was yesterday and for me like i, I knew that i wanted to do this this was like this is real this is like i knew it was like a good environment and and um i knew that's where i wanted to be what i wanted to do and who gave you your black belt it was cavalcanti correct yeah old man jacare man <laughs> not Jacare. the fighter guys everybody thinks yeah, yeah, I know everyone. Th- <laughs> <laughs> what other practitioners do you admire? I mean, I, I like a lot of the guys, you know. I mean, man, I, because I also follow other martial arts and like MMA a little bit too. So you know, Ryan Hall, Isaac Dodaline, Nicholas Mergali, mm-hmm. Tommy Lengecker, Shane Jamil Hill. Man, so many guys. Genki so Sudo. I could go back. I'm like all over the place. There's so many guys that I really, I really like and, and inspired me, particularly like a lot of the guys I, I grew up with, like uh, guys like Chris Moriarty. He's not very well known. He did do like a podcast with Stephen Kesting recently. Cool. He's a, also a pretty good uh, physician. So he mm-hmm. was able to transition out of jiu-jitsu into like the medical field. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys like Ian McPherson, guys never heard of, Chase Wheaton. It's really interesting. Like some of those guys I named, most people don't know, but then like I'll talk to someone like Ryan Hall, and he knows all those guys. You trained with Ryan, correct? Uh, pretty recently. Pretty- I was at his school in August. I was mm. visiting for like a week. How did that go? It was cool, man. I had a great time. We would train like we train pretty hard. Of course, mm. he you know he does a lot, a lot more striking and stuff. But I was able to train with Pam and all the students and uh, his wow. instructor Adam. It's really good. And then like after training, we'd go hang out. So it was really cool. <laughs> I think having that balance, you know. 
I saw a photo with you and him, and I believe it was uh, Justin Rader was there. Oh, Justin, excuse uh, me. Yeah, we, he was just there for a little bit while I was there. He was like, I flew in, and then Justin Rader was flying out, so just happened uh. to get a picture with the old school guys. <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious, what are your interests outside of BJJ? Jiu-Jitsu is a hobby for me still. I think that's important. I think it's easy for competitors to just see jujitsu as a job. I also, mm-hmm. I really enjoy it. You know, I, I take time to really keep focusing on my skill set. And through jujitsu, like I really into like editing. So, you know, video editing more so. And that's kind of been a, like a rabbit hole in itself, like getting better mm-hmm. at editing and learning so much new skills. I try to read. I've gotten lazier, lazier in my <laughs> reading, but I, I, I keep trying to read and just stay informed. I also enjoy, you know, spending time with my family. Since I've been back in Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia, I've been able to hang out with my family in a way that I wasn't able to the last few years because I was always traveling. That's about it. I'm a pretty simple guy. I don't need a lot to make me happy. You know, some videos, can train a little bit, get some food. I'm Man, that's it. That's yeah. life for me. It sounds like you've done a lot of traveling and probably seminars and things like that in the past. Did you enjoy all that stuff? You've, it sounds like you've seen a lot. Yeah, I've done more. I've done more stuff than I ever thought I would ever do. And I've learned, I think, especially like living outside of America, I learned a lot just mm-hmm. how to uh, survive, how to have an open mind and just just try to kind of connect with people, especially like when you go somewhere, you don't speak the language, like you can't, you're already outside of your comfort zone. So I think that those experiences have changed me so much, just really enriched my life a lot. And I try, it's really cool social media. You can kind of share those experiences with people like, you know, whatever country I've been, I've always tried to post stuff so people can see what was going on. And that kind of goes back to like documenting. So I've documented like when I stayed in Japan for like three months training wrestling, I've documented when I lived in Sweden, I documented when I was traveling around California and across the U.S. So I'm really happy that I've been able to stay consistent with that. Because when I'm old, I can look back and be like, man, your dad was crazy. Your uncle was crazy or, you know, whatever. (laughs) That's an awesome perspective to have. What are some of your nagging injuries and pains and what have you done to mitigate them? Do you have, uh, what what kind of health tips can you also provide? And uh, uh, how has that affected your, your training and your game and how have you evolved from that? Just got to realize injuries are natural, you know, in any sport, just natural comes with the territory. I really believe that movement skills, knowing how to move properly and having proper mobility help. So, you know, stretching and not doing crazy movements, guys, you know, there's been times where I've always seen it as my job. They like call that out. Hey, stop, slow down. Mm-hmm. People don't always like it. I've had students get upset and angry at me and I tell them, hey, you need to use more technique or you need to slow down, you're going to get injured. So yeah, definitely focus on the proper movements. So I think people always have trouble. They don't know what proper movements are. Think of like, you know, during a warm up, you've done those animal drills, you know, like monkey walks, duck walks, and you know, bear crawls. For me, those, those meet your body how to move properly. You know, a lot of beginners get injured. They get addicted to training. They start looking at a lot of Reddit. So there's always white belts like, oh, I, I'm going to train five times a week now. Like they went from zero to five times a week mm-hmm. and then they burn out and get injured. So mm-hmm. uh, just take your time, let your body develop, learn the movement skills properly. That helps a lot for me. Like I'm very careful. I know the positions very well. So I know, okay, this is a little dangerous. Let me slow down. Let me stop here. Okay, let me go back. You know, sometimes you keep pushing forward, you make things worse. So sometimes you need to step, take a step back. And that's been about it. I think that's what uh, the guys that are older than me that are still training at a high level, like they're very careful with their movements, mm-hmm. very, very controlled movements. Also, just trusting in your partners, having good partners you can train with. They're not going to injure you. 
there's been times where I was training with someone and like maybe their foot got stuck in my shorts and I could feel, I had the spatial awareness to feel that was something that was stuck so I could like stop. Whereas some people might keep going and make things worse. So I think yeah. also as you get older, picking the right training partners is important. And also just taking time off, you know, something's nagging. Okay. That might be a sign. You need to rest a little bit, get some physical mm. therapy in. I think for me, I've had a lot of injuries, but knock on wood, I haven't had surgery or anything. I have had to do a lot of physical therapy over the years, but uh, I think just knowing how to move properly, how to rehab things the right way, how to take time off, that's helped. But I also, I have gotten injured like where I would didn't want to tap. <laughs> that's happened a lot. One of my favorite videos that you actually created that I go back to as like an absolute staple, a reference for myself, is the, it's, it's a really simple video, but it's fantastic because you go at just so meticulously step by step and that's just how to get your feet over your head. So you show oh, how you roll <laughs> back, you're rolling back slowly and you're holding your ankles and you're just slowly and it's a really meticulous video, but man, has that that's my go-to. I reference everyone to that particular video oh, wow. and we'll add a link in the show notes for you guys to, to watch it. But if you're interested in inverting or just being able to sort of get in your feet over your head, man, or Gramby, this is a fantastic video. That seems to be your process with a lot of this stuff. That's pretty crazy. You never know like what's going to be like a hit. There's times where I'm like, man, I put so much effort in this thing. And I'm like, it's going to be great. And then and then some <laughs> yeah. other video, like my biggest video was me. Like, I think my back was hurt. And I was like, uh, I didn't have a partner. So I was like, man, put the, the camera on me. And I did like a double leg. And then that, that was like my biggest video. So it's crazy to hear about the, the uh, inverted stuff. Like, particularly with that video, like, I mean, a lot of people have trouble inverting. And, you know, a lot of the videos, I see people have problems. Like, I'm watching the white belts, they can't invert. So I'm like, okay, let me do this video. So when I'm in class, I can, I don't have to waste time. I can go, hey, watch the video. So that's kind of my thought process. But, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I think taking, like, one of those videos and just, like, I'm going to sit down for, like, 20 minutes or something. I'm like, all right, we're going to go through every little detail to, like, get you guys uh, limber. So I think it's those small things. Like, that kind of goes back to having the proper movement skills. So I mm -hmm. didn't go from like zero to like putting my feet on the floor. It's like, okay, let me mm -hmm. like warm my back up. Let me warm my mm -hmm. neck up and then slowly start to ease into it. So sometimes newer people, we have to use kid gloves and like walk people through the steps. But um, it's like those steps, that's where the, the good stuff is. You know, the devil's in the details there. Are you doing any sort of like a weight training or, or anything like that? Any compound movements or kettlebells or anything? I go through phases. I haven't been lifting weights probably in like the last year, but I, I actually kind of do like, because it's something different. I think more so now I've really been putting time into my mobility, especially like hips and calves, hamstrings, like really open up that area. You know, if you want to develop a good guard, that's those the usual trouble areas. So I've been really mm -hmm. taking the time to really work on that mobility mm -hmm. and, um, it's been pretty slow, but uh, I've seen a lot of improvement as far as my guard, just from like taking the time last like few months, just working on my mobility. It's helped my guard so much. And again, it goes back to not getting injured, having proper mobility. I can put myself in positions where I feel strong and maintain those positions. But outside of that, I haven't really been doing too much. So I stretch a little bit. I have some blocks and little rubber band things mm -hmm. that I use a lot. Yeah. That's helped me. I've been trying to walk more, trying to add a little bit of running. That's helped some gymnastics here or there. So I, I think, especially for people that don't have training partners and are like, you have to get a little creative in your exercises, right? So a way, way to work around your problems. So, you know, even if you don't have anybody, you can go outside and walk. Like everybody can do that.
Are you considering things like your diet or sleep or anything like that? Are those like high priorities or supplementation or anything like that? Yeah, I don't really use any supplements. Uh, vitamin D, I, I used to live in Sweden, like Northern mm. Europe, so I had to have vitamin D, guys. I couldn't make it without that stuff. But outside of that, just clean diet, pretty simple diet. Uh, I yeah. think whatever, just natural foods. I used to cook a lot. I'm, mm. I'm staying with my grandmother, so she, she cooks more than me. But when I live by myself, I would just cook, and then uh, I would eat like a lot. I think diet's important. I think we underestimate how much your diet helps you, especially when you're training two times a day, like you need the calories, you need carbs, sleep's important. So I, I don't take any caffeine or anything that helps my sleep. Wear like eye masks, earplugs. So I, I think, I mean, outside of your training, if you want to optimize like your performance, definitely get the right nutrients in your body and rest. When you're training a lot, the individual determines how much is a lot, but you need to rest your body, let it recover. If you just abuse your body, you're training, overtraining, you're not going to get the results that you want. Uh, a lot of that's been hurt, all the everything I've said not to do. I did it. I've overtrained. I've not eaten carbs. I've not slept to the... But again, everybody's different. You have to like experiment and see what works for you. Kind of find that sweet spot. I know for me, like I have a diet where I can get on it immediately and then like I can make whatever weight I need to make or try to gain weight if I need to while still having energy, of course. What kind of advice would you give for each belt color? White belts, like you're going to suck for a good bit. Jiu-Jitsu's hard. Learn how to do the triangle <laughs> for white belt. That's white belt. That's my advice for white belts. I love white belts, man. Like I make fun of white belts, but actually like as far as like me dealing with students, like it's way easier for me to deal with a new white belt because wow. you can kind of mold them. And uh, the higher belts, it's hard because, you know, they're going to have their own uh, style, their own like personality as far as what they like with from instructors so i love white belts man i make i make a lot i you know i post memes and jokes and stuff about white belts but man white belts really are like you know they they keep jiu-jitsu alive you know that because we need new people coming in you have always had these old farts higher belts they're like ah, they're no fun but a white belts you can have fun with the white belts <laughs> and then there's no pressure on them you could just like make a joke and they're just like <laughs> Blue belt. Let's see what I say to blue belts normally. Like, man, stop fucking up, man. Just do the technique. <laughs> I know. I don't care what you saw on YouTube. Do the technique I just showed. That's why you just say to blue belts. <laughs> and come to class. <laughs> purple belts, man. Come on time, man. Stop being late. That's why I say to purple belts. Just come on time. <laughs> They're always late. Don't be lazy. Yeah. Come on time. Don't be lazy, purple belts. Uh, brown belts, I probably say don't give up. That's one of the harder belts, I believe. White belt's tough, blue belt's tough. I think a brown belt, you know, I've seen a lot of people almost make it a black belt and they're just stuck at brown belt. So I think just, you know, weather the storm and keep pushing. You're so close to, you know, your goals of becoming mm -hmm. a black belt. So don't mm -hmm. give up. Black belts, man, you gotta. <laughs> So you got a bullseye on your back, man. So you don't rest on your laurels. Keep learning. Keep enjoying the process. Always be a white belt. The white belt mindset. Keep it. Try to pay it forward. Try to help the lower belts. Just push them through. You know, we you already been through it, so we can help those guys. Every belt's got their own problems, but also every belt's got their the kind of cool thing. You know, the cool little story. You know, I see people all the time on Reddit, they complain about not getting a stripe or I didn't get the belt. And like, man, just enjoy the process, man, because you can't go back. You can't ever go back to being a white belt. So, man, enjoy right. being a white belt. Make as many mistakes as possible and do the craziest things you can because when you become a blue belt, your instructor's going to be upset at you. So just enjoy every belt, man. Don't rush the process. Just have fun. Can you talk about how did you learn to tie your belt? 
Uh, Taekwondo. <laughs> <laughs> so do you still sure tie your belt the same way you did in Taekwondo? Do you do the fancy double around? Yeah, and, and I've been doing I do the same stuff. I don't do all that. I don't do all that. My Taekwondo school, like, I, I got lucky. Like, we had, like, they actually pushed us to compete and stuff. So it was, like, actually, like, we had, like, people from the Olympics, the 96 mm-hmm. Olympics. Like, they yeah. would come down and train with us in Taekwondo. So it was Wow, this was no joke, Taekwondo, place. then. Oh, no, man. Were, <laughs> I, I wasn't good at Taekwondo. That's why I didn't do it. But the gym, the studio was really good. Wow. But, yeah, I, I tie my belt the same way. <laughs> instructors whenever you give someone a belt or whatever tie the belt from the front don't tie it from behind that looks creepy so i just wanted to put that out there man i get creeped out you know what i'm talking about when they're starting to give you a new belt like okay learn how to do it from the front don't walk the front? behind the dude and like yeah do it from the front not from the back what's the first time oh okay then what's the first time you did it from the front you know what i mean because that's like doing everything in reverse kids so that's i learned that Really quickly, tie that belt from the front, man. Especially if you got a lot of kids, because you know their belt falls out. So ah. you just got like, do, 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 do. did you, you screw up the first dude, time, but... or did you have to practice, or or what did you do? It's not about how good it is, it's how well it stays on. So man, <laughs> just get it on there, keep it on there. All right, Alec, thank you so much for uh, being on Forever White Belt and and being so gracious with your time. We really appreciate it. And where can we find more information about you? Guys, just look up my name, Alec Balding, not Alec Baldwin. I'm not the actor. Everything. Everything on my social media is my name. If you want to look at my new instructional, it's very easy. Short Guy Guard. Super easy. All right. And where can we get Short Guy Guard? Shortguyguard.com. All right, you guys, I'm Adolfo <laughs> Ferranda, Forever White Belt. You guys search for it and give us the old positive feedback and everything on all your listening devices and everything. Thanks so much for watching and listening out there. See you guys next time. Ah, thank you. Thank you, Adolfo. Yeah, you bet.